Lord, I pray that you will continue to reveal yourselves to us, especially as we look back, we will trace the hand of God over our own lives and over the life of this church. We will have faith, confidence, and trust in you that silently, uh, sometimes unseen, your hand is guiding us, and we know that our hope can be placed fully on you. And so, God, I want to pray that uh, each one of us will see the hand of God in our own lives, Lord, that we might be truly blessed to know that we are following the way, the truth, and the life. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This season, we are looking at the book of Joshua. And the book of Joshua is primarily a historical narrative, just like the book of Judges or Kings or Chronicles. It tells of a very significant period in the the history of Israel, God's hand in the transition of leadership from Moses to Joshua as they enter the Promised Land. Today, I'd like to do another historical narrative, and I'm going to recap our capping. Okay, for those of you who are not familiar, CAP, as in C-A-P, uh, is our acronym for Community Adoption and Pastoring. And these days, we use the word capping like, like a verb from the Oxford Dictionary. <coughs> like people would say, Skyping or tweeting. It's become a part of the lingo of PPH. But how do we start? I believe as I narrate this, it'll be encouraging for all of us to reflect on the hand of God um, in PPH over the last 20 years or more. And so I searched my files, and the earliest document that I have in my hard disk is this document, which you cannot see, but it's dated the 23rd of August, 1993. That's like 21 years ago. I think I wrote it for the diaconate. And at that time, we were going to be partnering Bukit Panjang Gospel Church, uh, Gospel Chapel, in a project we call Project West Side. Basically, a community services center in Taman Jurong. And we listed down all these things. There were committee members from uh, both sides. Uh, we're going to start this before and after school care in Taman Jurong after we drove around and found that that was quite a poor estate, but kind of far away from us. Soon after that, I went for a three-month course in Boston, USA, and the project died in the womb. <laughs> it never got born. Um, but in the USA, I met a fellow classmate who later turned out to be the CEO of HDB, and I'll talk more about him later. But a project similar to this got resurrected in the year 2002, and now I'm going to show you slides from what we call a Cap Vision Night on the 30th of October 2002. What happened then? And these are the same slides that I used that night. So we related <coughs> what happened in 1993. There was Project Westside that never took off. 1993 was when I met the CEO of HDB in America. 
At the end of 1999, I returned from uh, a work assignment in Hong Kong. At that time, there was a project love that uh, the leaders of this church started. Basically, we just called up in those days, it was MCDS, Ministry of Community Development and Sports. Then it got changed to MCYS, now it's MCCY. Okay? Um, we just called them up and say, are there poor people in Singapore? Can we help? And that was our first taste of entering one-room flats. When it says a one-room flat, it really is a one-room flat. It's one room and one toilet. That's, that's, that's all that is. And we got to, to meet uh, single mothers. We've got to meet uh, double amputees whose uh, two relatives died within six months and with two young children to look after. And we got into uh, this kind of, of work. In the year 2000, we've been discussing entering some kind of service, community service, to serve uh, the, the poor in the community on and off uh, for many years now. And we visited different churches to see what they were doing. We talked about incorporating a legal entity, but there really wasn't anything. And I remember as I was sharing this among the cell group, uh, leaders, one of the cell group leaders who, who, who does very well, very able in leadership, came up to me and said, Kofi, PPH is not ready for this kind of thing. And I got so discouraged. In the year 2001, uh, Bill Fu, one of our church members, decided that, uh, and, and the leadership agreed with him, to start a help fund. I think there was some kind of a economic financial crisis at that time. And within three weeks, we raised $77,000. And together with Project Love uh, earlier, we were then supporting 50 cases of uh, the poor all around Singapore. And I, some of you might remember that you have to like, travel far, far away just to visit this family once a month um, kind of thing. 2002, in February, we knew that it was the 20th anniversary of us being here in PPH, also our 120th anniversary of starting this church, so we call it 2120. It was a precursor of 3130. Uh, and we knew very well then that we do not want to have that celebration to be a self-congratulatory one and certainly not a gala dinner in Shangri-La Hotel. But we wanted to serve the community. But what do we do at the time? We were not very clear. And that's when, in February, uh, the elders did a prayer drive in the comfort of our air-conditioned cars. So we drove from here to Teban Gardens, and we drove from here to uh, Tolok Blanga, both east and west of PPH, to, to seek the Lord, where would you want us uh, to serve the community? Then, in March of that year, we, um, 10 of us went to the community penetration seminar that Living Sanctuary uh, does. And we were very inspired by the work that they were able to do uh, in the Aokang area. Uh, at the same time, in PPH, the CEO of SATA, the Singapore Anti-Tuberculosis Association, he became a new member uh, in PPH. Uh, so we thought that driving around to pray is very nice in an aircon car, but I think we needed to sweat a bit. So we got the diaconate to sweat a bit in um, a diaconate prayer walk uh, around the community, uh, seeking the Lord also. And in August, we enter into a season of prayer. Uh, the the diaconate enter into a season of prayer, again seeking the Lord. 
On the 25th of August, 2002, we rounded up all our cell group leaders. We went out to Teban Gardens to do a prayer walk again, seeking the Lord. Um, these were the pictures that I took, 25th of August, 2002. You will see some of our CG leaders. One thing I want to point out is that our ladies do not age, and our men had more hair then. 5th September, uh, we finally made a decision in the diaconate. Yes, we will adopt the estate of Teban Gardens. And so the, the go-ahead was given. And then on the 25th of some, September, something very strange uh, happened. Uh, we had a help fund case. Uh, these people were just assigned to us from the then MCDS. Uh, I call her the Pandan Garden Lady. And... Um, uh, and Pandan Garden, her flat was directly opposite the Ai Raja Community Centre. And her husband went missing in Vietnam for like three to four years. And the HDB was going to take back her flat because she wasn't paying the, the monthly uh, uh, mortgage. Uh, the husband had money in his CPF, but it couldn't be touched because it is not clear whether he was alive or dead. So we got into this situation, and so I wrote to the HTB. I wrote to my friend, the CEO of HTB, and he was able to sort it out. I wrote to the MP, uh, Tan Cheng Bok, at that time, just to present the case to, to him so that he too can help her. In uh, 2nd of October 2002, I met up with the CEO of St. Luke's Hospital talking about parish nursing. How do we do some kind of nursing in the community? Uh, it, it wasn't Chiang or Hock Chuan at that time, or somebody else. Um, and then we had this meeting on the 4th of October, 2002, where I met the MP, uh, Tan Cheng Bok, at that time. You know, that meeting was one of the most uncomfortable meetings because when he walked in, we sort of stood up and in, out of respect. But before I sat down, before my butt could hit the seat, Tan Cheng Bok says, You Christians! You know, when I have a community activity, the mosques will come and support me. The temples will come and support me. But you Christians are always in your churches. You're not involved in the community. And that was before my butt could hit the seat. So, so embarrassing, right? But ah, thank God. I said, Mr. Tan, do you remember I wrote a letter to you about the Pandan lady? And we are out in the community uh, are wanting to help and we want to expand from there. In fact, we want to have an HDB void deck and the church want to come into the community, your, your constituency, and we want to help you in, in the community. And so that sort of broke the ice uh, a little bit. And with his uh, support, we, we applied for uh, a legal entity, PPH Community Services uh, Centre. On the 8th of October, we made the application and we had already planned for a capping, okay, when we go out into the community knocking on doors, our first capping on the 2nd of November. And we don't have the society registered yet. So what do we go out in the name of? And I remember then that we say we are not going to call friends in high places. We can ask Tan Cheng Bok for help. I can call, uh, at that time, I think I know the minister or the perm sec. Uh, we say, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We're just going to pray. And it got approved in record time, in 21 days from our application uh, to, for this society. It got approved on the 29th of October, just three days ahead of our first 
activity, which was a capping. I think God knew that our heart is not so strong. Otherwise, He would have approved it one day before. Uh, and then we we're more exciting. But three days before that, we got approval. And so, on the, and this is what we got uh, our first logo. We simply took the church logo. Uh, and then I think this logo was maybe about two years ago, we decided that, no, we cannot use the church logo. So this is, on the right side, our current logo. And so on the... Uh, uh, never mind. So our first capping was when... Oh, no, not, not yet. I want, I want to share these two green lines. Because 10 years before 2002... God was already in action. It's just that we didn't realize it, right? Um, he got us into a project, uh, West Side, that never took off. I think it would be quite strange for us to go all the way to Taman Jurong uh, to do community work. Uh, so it wasn't quite the right place for us. It wasn't right for Bukit Panjang as well. Eventually, Bukit Panjang uh, started a community services center right in front of the church. Uh, they were able to rent a small bungalow. So it wasn't right for us. But God has, uh, was at work. Uh, 1993, got to know the CEO of HDB, who was instrumental in helping us in a few things. Um, and then, three years before the year 2002, <coughs> we just called, made a phone call, and that, the Lord led us into Project Love, into Help Fund, and all that. It built credibility. When I was able to tell the MP that, you know, we are helping 50 cases all around Singapore uh, financially, and visiting them. It wasn't a lot, 50 cases in those days, <coughs> but I think God knew that there was all we could handle at that time. But that was the silent hand of God uh, at work, and then we came to uh, a cap vision night on the 30th of October, 2002. Three days later, we did our first capping. This was a picture we took. It's just uh, wonderful to me to see everybody wearing the same T-shirt, um, you know, other than church camps, we never dress alike, right? So, um, first time we were all in uniform. It's like unity with uniformity. I love that. And some of the young families of those days, it's Richard Wong and Kevin and, and Celine, three families there. And what was our first activity on the 16th of November, 2002? Health screening. Right? We've got SATA, we've got so many doctors, we've got so many nurses in PPH. That was our first uh, activity. And as usual, the pictures here show people with more hair then than they do now. But, one <laughs> but I'll, I'll always remember Raphael, Raphael, the son of Bilfu, who you never think that speak very much Mandarin but he was one of the ushers guiding people. And then one of them measured the, the BP, the blood pressure. And then he said these classic words. He said, oh, this is no death. Wow, it's like he was some great doctor. He said, uh, there is no danger to life and limb you know, the, uh, from, from the results of, of your medical tests. I like to say that since those days, we've uh, moved on. I would say, from strength to strength. We know that we, in order to minister to, to the community, we needed a Chinese service, right? Because most of them speak Mandarin and not English. And then we heard that 
a fellow Brethren Church, Bethesda Frankel Estate Church, had many Chinese pastors. So if I'm not wrong, I think I went with, must have been Benny. We went to visit them, and they even hosted us lunch, box lunch. And I think we met two or three of the elders, and we simply said, you got so many Chinese-speaking pastors, can I have one? Has this ever occurred in any church? Then they say yes. Then we scratch our head. Wow, maybe they give us a bad one. <laughs> but a very good one came. Huh? Pastor Chen Kuang came and served with us for many years, was our first Chinese pastor. And we were able to welcome converts from Teban Gardens into our church. I also remember those days, uh, God gave us staff, pioneering staff to begin this work. Before we had uh, the void deck set up, we had no office, we had nothing. I remember Alice, our sister Alice, a nurse, after a few weeks, looking like charcoal because she was in the sun all the time, carrying her BP set and her blood sugar test uh, equipment and just walking the, the community and, and serving them. This week, or last week rather, since Sunday is the beginning of the week, last week I had a CSC, Community Services Centre, staff meeting. And we sort of review what's going on uh, lately. I'd like to report to you that it is not just capping, as in four times a year, knocking on doors and giving out a gift and inviting them to um, uh, some of our activities. Because we have people now visiting the residents outside this four times a year. So we have a lady, uh, 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 a church member who visits uh, an Indian couple, and they've gotten very close. She's been invited in for dinner. And, and when this resident gets sick, she knows it before our staff do. And she's the one who will call the staff, and uh, CSE staff, and say, oh, so-and-so is sick. Can you like, uh, look after her and watch out for her? So that relationship is that close. We also have other members of the church who, <coughs> while doing capping, noted uh, the poor diet of uh, one family. And so now, when we do capping, if we like give out a car or a booklet or cooking oil or rice, these two persons will buy frozen chicken as a special gift to this family that they know uh, have a need. We also have members who are so close to the residents that, especially this old lady, that when she has uh, medical appointments, uh, he will drive her early in the morning to the hospital and often arrange for Mary Chang to be at the hospital at that time so that uh, Mary can take over and stay with her and uh, go and get her medical checkup uh, done. We also have, uh, this one is from the Chinese Assembly, one of the guys there, has befriended one of our residents there who has diabetes, who has wounds. And you think about the Good Samaritan cleaning the wounds of someone, he cleans the wounds. He applies oil, he cleans the wounds, he massages uh, this diabetic man, just like the Good Samaritan. We have uh, a lady who visits uh, one of the widows in Teban Gardens every week just to give support to her because she's a young widow with two young children. When we have cool club outings, um, we always invite the Teban Gardens kids. So they are 
part of the family. Today, we have an outing to Universal Studios. That's why you see it's a little bit empty here. Uh, we managed to get cheap tickets to Universal Studios, $10 only. I don't know what the original price is, but maybe three times as much. Uh, so we identified 16 disadvantaged children. And this morning, we have brought them there, and I hope the weather holds up. And then we were thinking, wow, how to manage 16 kids? Uh, we need preferably eight youth, one to chaperone two. And so we approached our youth ministry, Loud Gen Ministry. Actually, at the back of our minds, we were thinking that, wow, the response may not be that great. Now, who wants to go and look after a kid from 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. on a Sunday? But the, the, the response was overwhelming. So we are, we are able now to have eight youth. They are there now, chaperoning 16 kids, plus all our C, five CSE staff, they are over there now. So would you say a silent prayer for them? We cannot have any lordship today. <laughs> Many of us are helping with tuition, and the relationship has become so close that uh, they are very attached uh, to the children there, whose progress you can easily see because they start from such a low base. Yesterday, I received a phone call, and I was quite shocked. One of the residents there uh, was missing, and she left a suicide note. So our staff was searching for her, and we found her. This was a young widow. We found her, it's so sad, we found her at the niche of her husband who died only a few months ago. But thank God that she did not take her life, and I think we will continue to minister to her. And so we minister from cradle to grave. We have seen births in Teban Gardens. We, I have conducted funerals uh, of residents in Teban Gardens, more than one. And I remember uh, Mr. Chan. Mr. Chan, we led him to Christ. We sent him to heaven. I sent him to heaven wearing my jacket and my tie inside the coffin because he expressed a wish when he was alive that, that when he lies in his coffin, he would like to wear a jacket. So he's got my jacket. I might see it in heaven. But so far, I have not yet done a wedding uh, in Teban Garden. So we'll see. We'll see. And I relate all this is to show the, the unity of the body here, that you think you're just doing knocking on doors four times a year, but it all adds up. It contributes to our, to our credibility in the estate and in the work that we do. And so we have literally saved lives, physical and, and, and spiritual. Spiritual in the sense that we have sent many people to heaven now, and many are on the way uh, to heaven. And physical even, I remember the case where, where uh, a man was in hypoglycemic shock. He was diabetic, not enough sugar. And then Alice and I, we were running around looking for sugar. Can you imagine, cannot find sugar in his house. So we had to run to the neighbors to get sugar. Why do I relate all this in the midst of a sermon series on Joshua? Because I see three similarities in our PPH story and in the Joshua story. I see us crossing boundaries. I see us united in purpose. And I see fear turned around. Joshua crossed the Jordan to take a land that was promised by God. 
we cross spiritual boundaries, taking the gospel of love to an HDB estate. We send workers into the field, crossing boundaries to get into the harvest field. We had to cross our own middle-class prejudices or biases. We had to cross the barrier of speaking in Mandarin or in dialects. We have to cross this boundary where sometimes we don't preach the gospel by words. We just go out there, we bless, we give, no strings attached. And those are the boundaries that we cross. Secondly, the children of Israel were united behind Joshua as they entered the promised land. Similarly, I believe that we are united in purpose, in blessing a land, in reaching this land with the gospel. There is a saying that uh, unity doesn't mean uniformity. I think it's true only up to a point. You know, there's a very interesting story of two and a half tribes. <coughs> uh, the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh in Numbers chapter 32. These two and a half tribes did not want to cross to the western side of the Jordan River. As they walked and they were on the eastern side, they found that it was comfortable land, comfortable pasture on the eastern side. And they said, I'm going to settle here. Moses, we're going to settle here. In Numbers chapter 32 from verse 5, they said, if we have found favor in your eyes, these two and a half tribes said, let this land be given to your servants as our possession. Do not make us cross the Jordan. Moses said to the Gadites and Reubenites, Shall your countrymen go to war while you sit here? Why do you discourage the Israelites from going over into the land the Lord has given them? Indeed, why? Because it was comfortable. No need to cross rivers. And there, a compromise came about. From verse 16 in chapter 32 of Numbers. Then they came up to Moses and said, we would like to build pens here for our livestock and cities for our women and children. But we are ready to arm ourselves and go ahead of the Israelites until we have brought them to their place. Meanwhile, our women and children will live in fortified cities for protection from the inhabitants of the land. We will not return to our homes until every Israelite has received his inheritance. We will not receive our inheritance with them on the other side of the Jordan because our inheritance has come to us on the east side of the Jordan. Then Moses said to them, If you will do this, if you will arm yourselves before the Lord for battle, and if all of you will go armed over the Jordan before the Lord has driven, uh, before the Lord until he has driven his enemies out before him, then when the land is subdued before the Lord, you may return and be free from your obligation to the Lord and to Israel. And this land will be your possession before the Lord. But if you fail to do this, you will be sinning against the Lord and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. Very harsh words. But that was the compromise. Just join us on the other side. Conquer the land, then you can go back. So at the risk of offending some of you, 
we too have had our moments where some were not willing to, not willing to go capping. And, and maybe some were not willing to, to buy a CSE t-shirt or even to wear it. They say, why should I, you know? Um, by the way, please buy a, a, a t-shirt for, for the church camp, you know? How nice to get this picture of all of us together in the same t-shirt, especially if yours is faded like mine. And just as an aside, Every year, I go to a pastor's prayer summit. Uh, several years now, uh, Bethesda Baruch Tampines Church in the East, uh, they are responsible for the whole pastor's prayer summit. And it was just wonderful. Like four days, every day, all the people were there, the ushers, the musicians, uh, you know, whatever people, they'll be, Monday, they'll all be in red T-shirt and they'll be serving the people. Tuesday, they'll be in like, like white T-shirts and be serving all the pastors. And, and it, it's just a wonderful thing to see uniformity. And I've also heard uh, some people say they do not want to be in cell groups in PPH because our cell groups have to go capping. And uh, then they want to start non-capping cell groups. And so I say these are BS cell groups. BS as in Bible study cell groups. What were you thinking? Just Bible study cell groups uh, only do Bible study. Thank God that it was just a small handful and that was in the distant past eh? because I believe every one of our cell groups are now involved. So the story of these two and a half tribes continue in, in Joshua. Two and a half out of twelve. And in Joshua chapter 1, uh, Joshua chapter 1 from verse 10, let me read. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, Get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of God, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all your fighting men, fully armed, must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord, your God, be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. So it was well. This compromise was reached. Go across, conquer the land, then go back to the, um, to the eastern side. But there was a strange episode in the account of Joshua where there was almost a civil war between these two and a half tribes and the rest of the 12 tribes. These two and a half tribes, as they were crossing the Jordan back to the eastern side, built a very big altar before they went back 
after conquering the lands uh, together as 12 tribes. And the other, what is it, 12 minus 2.5 is whatever, 9.5, thought that these 2.5 tribes were rebelling against God and were uh, separating themselves from the unity of the 12. And there was almost civil war there. And let me continue reading Joshua chapter 22 from verse 24. And these two and a half tribes had to explain themselves. Joshua chapter 24 from verse, uh, Joshua chapter 22 from verse 24. It says, No, we did it for fear that someday your descendants might say to ours, to the two and a half tribes, what do you have to do with the Lord, the God of Israel? The Lord has made the Jordan a boundary between us and you. You Reubenites and Gadites, <coughs> you have no share in the Lord. <coughs> so your descendants might cause ours to stop fearing the Lord. That is why we said, let us get ready and build an altar but not for burnt offerings or sacrifices. On the contrary, it is to be a witness between us and you and the generations that follow that we will worship the Lord at His sanctuary with our burnt offerings, sacrifices, and fellowship offerings. Then, in the future, your descendants will not be able to say to ours, you have no share in the Lord. And we say, if they ever say this to us, or to our descendants, we will answer. Look at the replica of the Lord's altar, which our fathers built, not for burnt offerings and sacrifices, but as a witness between us and yours. An altar that is not for burnt offerings and sacrifices, not for worship, a big one at that. An altar that came out of the fear of being disowned by the other tribes. Would that have been necessary if they all 12 tribes simply crossed the Jordan and taken the promised land and settled on the western side? It was a compromise, nevertheless, but there was this inner fear that we have separated ourselves, two and a half tribes, from the rest. And I'm sorry to say that it didn't come to a good ending. The, this two and a half tribes were the first to be exiled. If you read First Chronicles chapter 5, from verse 25, but they, these two and a half tribes, but they were unfaithful to the God of their fathers and prostituted themselves to the gods of the peoples of the land, whom God has destroyed before them. So the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Paul, king of Assyria, that is Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, who took the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh into exile. So that was what happened when they separated themselves, even though a compromise was reached. And it got so bad, I think, that during Jesus' days, that they started rearing pigs, which was against what God had for them. You remember the account of Jesus driving the demons into a herd of pigs, and they ran over the embankment and fell into the lake. This was recorded in all three Gospels, uh, the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew chapter 8, Mark chapter 5, Luke chapter 8 that they were so divided from the, the laws of God and from the other tribes that they started rearing pigs. So what am I saying? The 12 tribes were united, but they were not united. 
there was these two and a half tribes that were in sort of a compromise. <coughs> they were united, yes, but in only one single purpose, <coughs> temporary purpose of conquering the land, and then they went back. Then they split up as part of a compromise. And this compromise in the unity nearly got them into civil war. I know I'm stretching it, but I hear some CJ members will, will join the capping. But they are not regular in CJ meetings. Why? Because when they hear, oh, my fellow CJ members whom I don't see regularly, they are going out capping, they have to carry heavy gifts like cooking oil or rice, and they've got to do a lot of work. I feel so bad, I go and help them. Which is very commendable. I think. Um, it's like they're crossing the Jordan. They've they got a task to be done. So I cross together and I help them. But after that, I'm going back to my own sanctuary. Why not join together as in, in really being a regular member of the cell group? When we do Bible study, we do Bible study together. When we go out capping, we go out capping uh, together. Wouldn't that be, be better? That the unity is not just the unity in capping or in Bible study but as a family. The unity is not just in the uniformity of wearing uh, a T-shirt or, or going out capping four times a year. It's much more than that. Matthew chapter 9 from verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. What must you do before you harvest? What must you do in order to harvest? You've got to sow. You've got to sow. And that is the principle of uh, CAP, community adoption and pastoring. You've got to cross a boundary. You've got to get into the harvest field before there is a harvest. You've got to sow. You've got to sow acts of kindness. You've got to sow bearing gifts. You've got to meet human needs. And this same principle can be applied outside Taipan Gardens. It can be applied next month in a church camp in, what's the name of the hotel? Ramada Plaza Hotel. That would be our capping field from the 17th to the 20th of June next month. It can be applied in your office. Your office is Teban Gardens. Your, your school is your capping field. The hawker centre that you frequent is your capping field. That is where you cross a boundary bearing Acts of kindness. Last Sunday, um, I was in one of these, what is it, Zicha place. Huh? Um, you can call it a restaurant. Huh? A restaurant underneath the HDB block. And there was this lady who was very shabbily dressed, came to my table and asked, one dollar, one dollar, I buy soya, drink, uh, soya bean drink. 
She was asking for a dollar to buy a soya bean drink. She was not quite right mentally. So I took out my wallet, and I only had a $2. I didn't have $1. So I said, I buy for you, because it's just behind me. The soya bean drink store was just behind me. She said, no need, I buy. So she took the money, and, and she went to where the TV was, and she sat down and watched TV. She didn't buy the drink. Um, I didn't quite cross the boundary. I should really have gotten off my butt, walked just behind me, not more than 10 steps, and bring her along and buy that soya bean drink uh, for her. And, and my conscience will be clear. It'll be good for her. Uh, who knows where she's going to take the $2 and maybe she's going to buy cigarettes or something later on. I don't know. But I did not cross that boundary. I was just too comfortable in my seat with my whole family uh, out there. We were just ordering for dinner. The food hadn't come yet. I did not cross that boundary. But then I thought about the unity. What if my, my sons, my wife, my future daughter-in-law last Sunday were then to quarrel with me over these two dollars? What they say, you stupid lah, you know, and then we get into a quarrel, and then the people around us see us quarreling uh, over two dollars. What, what would it have been like? It would have been quite terrible. Because after that, we, we say grace, very holy. We say grace, and then we had dinner. I do not know who saw us. Um, but I thought just a bit of, of sewing, that same principle uh, applies, just that little bit sewing. And wouldn't it be great nah, if this lady, she walks around the whole, uh, uh, what is it? white deck, is a bottom floor of a HDB flat, and, and people watch and say, wow, some people actually do give her one dollar, you know, and, uh, and of the ten tables, five of them give her money, and they only these five tables say grace. The rest, they don't give, they don't say grace. Wouldn't that have been a great testimony of Christian unity behind this one very simple uh, principle? of crossing a boundary and of blessing and sowing. When we started in the year 2002, I was saying to myself, maybe 12 years later I can say this, saying to myself that if I can only get half, half our cell groups to buy in to this capping thing, I think it would be great. For PPH, who is, is impossible to get any form of uniformity, it would be great. But I thank God that every single one of our cell groups bought in in the year 2002 and has continued uh, to this day. So that was great. And so I trust that this is a settled issue in PPH. You join a cell group means you join capping. You join a cell group means you are united behind the purpose of and the principle of capping, which means you cross boundaries, which means you're united. And there is one other uh, point that I want to talk about now, and that is about fear. Fear. You remember how fearful we were when we started out in 2002? Um, it really drove us to our knees in those days. And I, th I think we prayed a lot more in those days than we do now before we go capping. Nowadays, it's like, oh, give me the, the gifts. And we just go out there and we distribute the gifts and we bless the residents. But in those days, we were so fearful. The children of Israel were fearful too when they crossed the Jordan. Um, 
before they got into the promised land. You remember the spies that Moses sent out to spy out the land? Numbers 13 tells us, But the man who had gone up with him said, We can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, descendants of Anak. We seem like grasshoppers in our eyes, and we look the same to them. And then Joshua reminded them of this fear as well. In Joshua chapter 14, verse 7, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who were with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. People were fearful. But this fear turned around. It absolutely turned around. In Joshua chapter um, 2, verse 9, this was Rahab, remember? Rahab who, uh, who harbored the spies. Rahab said this to, to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. Melting in fear. Joshua chapter 2, verse 24. And he said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands and all the people are melting in fear because of us. So I hope that since the early days of 2002 to now, we are not so fearful of getting out into the land uh, to go camping anymore. Instead, we know that people are melting in fear because of us. Can we say that the residents of Teban Gardens, uh, our colleagues in the office, our fellow students in our schools, uh, our fellow patrons in the hawker centres are melting in fear because of us? Another word for fear is awe. Awesome. When people look at you, members of PPH, when people look at PPH Community Services Centre and our staff there, when they look at what we do, they will fear us or they will say, awesome. Awesome. Awesome that you guys do funerals for free. You know, I remember the few funerals that we did. The relatives will come back and say, so how much? Huh? I say, free. Uh -huh. They cannot believe it. Awesome. Awesome that our ladies will spend the whole night with a laboring young widow in KK Hospital. It's awesome. And awesome that when a family was in need of a washing machine, immediately, like the next weekend, we raised the funds and we got her this washing machine so quickly, much faster than any service organization or the government or, or, or whoever can do. Awesome that when we saw it was dangerous for this young family with young children not to have window grills and, and, and no kitchen cabinets, you know, it's like a tap that flows into a pail and that was the kitchen and we got it done like the next week. Awesome. When we do community services, it is with an excellence that makes people melt with fear. When they look at this, they just have to say, awesome. No matter what religion you come from, you've got to say, awesome. Because we don't do it to earn National Day awards. 
right? Pink card something, something, BBM. That's not where, what we're doing it for. It is simply tender, loving care. And when you serve that unlovable character in your office or in your school, when you cross that boundary over the next cubicle to minister to someone, it will be awesome. And that's what people will see. And they will melt with fear. They might melt with that, that love that is shown, that compassion, that selflessness, that unity. I'm almost at the end. I know I'm taking a lot more time. I want to end with, with, with a dream that I have. Okay, it's not a dream that, that came through the night. It's, it's a dream dream. You've heard about B2J movement, Back to Jerusalem. It's a missions movement that starts in China, and they're going to bring the gospel all the way from China westwards across some of the toughest areas, all the Tans, you know, the Kazakhstans and the Kyrgyzstans and the whatever Stan, all the Muslim lands around there, back to Jerusalem. That's that great missionary movement. My dream is back to PPH. Okay, if we can do from 44 Teban Gardens Road all the way back to PPH, crossing this lands of West Coast and all that, it's just a dream, okay? That we're going to have a chain of CSCs or maybe a few large FSCs, a family services center, which is like 99% uh, financially funded by the government. That'll be great, right? That'll be great to bring it all the way back to people. And maybe we might even overshoot PPH and cross into Telok Blanga. Then we will have this great land from Teban Gardens, Pandan Gardens, West Coast, Telok Blanga, all served from this teeny weeny pipsqueak of a church in PPH, blessing the people. Who knows? Eh? Who knows? I mean, in the year 2000, uh, a respected cell group, uh, a cell group leader I respect very much said that PPH is not ready for this. But two years later, everything changed. So who knows? You look at it now, it's crazy. We can barely support Teban Gardens. We're crossing a little bit more into Teban, uh, Panang Gardens' work. But I like to tackle West Coast. I like to tackle, and maybe even overshoot to Telok Blanga. Who knows? So, for Joshua, as for PPH, the principles are the same. The fields are white unto harvest, but to harvest, we need to cross boundaries. You need to get into the harvest field, whether it is your office, the cubicle next to you, your next-door neighbor, your next-door class. You need to cross some boundaries, even your relatives, that boundaries, because we are so comfortable. We would much rather just sit down and do nothing. Cross the boundaries, unite in purpose, get your cell group behind you to pray for this unlovable colleague in your office and to see what the Lord can do and then to turn around that fear. That fear can only be turned around if we focus our eyes on God because it's not us. It's not us. And even if we are rejected, they are not rejecting us. They are rejecting the Lord behind us. Let me call the worship team up now to uh, help us with this uh, uh, song that I, I hope will, will stir us. There is a bridge in this song that says, we will answer the call to build a church without walls. And, you know, it's like what Tan Chen Bok said to me, yeah, you church people, uh, you church people always sitting behind uh, your, your walls and not getting involved in the community. The, the church cannot be like that. When people look at the church, they've they got to see love and good deeds. They cannot see middle-class people with a lot of parking uh, problems and just worshipping the God 
the Lord inside these four walls. We've got to build a church without walls. Shall we rise together? commitment in your heart to the principles of crossing boundaries I'm quite sure in a, in a group this big there are many boundaries that sometimes we fear crossing um, whether it's a, a relative even our parents sometimes we fear crossing the boundary of bringing a message from God and even an act of kindness sometimes so I'd like to pray with all of us Bring this fear that you might have in your mind before the Lord this morning that we can cross this boundary. For some, it might be the very act of capping you don't understand or you're against. That's a small thing. But crossing a boundary where you are, in your office, in your family. And then be united in the purpose that God said that the fields are white unto harvest. Before you harvest, you need to sow. And let's have our fear turn around. Let's focus our eyes on Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. And let Him give us the courage to turn this fear around.
And the people will melt in fear. They will say, awesome. So Lord, I want to thank you for guiding PPH all these years. With a bit of hindsight, we see a lot clearer now than what we were able to before. And I want to pray for everyone here, Lord, your children. Lord, that you will guide us, you will help us to cross boundaries that hold us back from loving, from serving, from preaching. And as we depart from here, God, that you will open up doors, you will enable us to walk across a room, to cross whatever physical, emotional, or even spiritual boundaries, people we don't like, we cannot stand, that when you give us the signal, we will cross that boundary, we will bring love, we will bring compassion, we will bring the salvation of Jesus. So unite us behind this purpose, enable us to do that, and may all the glory go to you, that when people see this, it will be awesome. They will melt in fear, they will melt in awe, because we have been obedient. So Lord, help us in this, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Praise God. Good. Good. Yeah. One cast off, ah. It's the same. Huh? Yeah. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Yes, definitely.
Oh, loud song, ah. Okay. Uh, forever, yeah. Okay, someone sing how to sing, yeah. Five minutes left. Yeah. Okay, everybody ready? Ready? We start.
haven't completed by your end already. Yeah, I came in, but I thought you're supposed to come in also. I, I'm waiting for you to come at the loudest sound. So you're playing that part, I come at the same time. Why don't you turn to that? No, you're coming at the, at the loudest sound. Quite louder, you know. Open the eyes of the blind. Still wonder you. Yeah, I think it's okay. Lah. Just watch it. But lah, because your thing is yeah. Yeah. not issue. Like I say, it's a bit obvious there. Uh, yeah. Okay, I tell you, why don't you play? Uh, you play. Because uh, it's easier to have a loud. Because my accent is very soft. Lah. I think you play. So I, I don't play. It's okay. I'll uh, just pretend to play. Yeah. I'm not playing. I'm not playing. You play. Huh? Just try again. You play. Yeah. Try again, this is a good one. Try again, try again. Yeah.